Welcome to episode 177 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the repeatability edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. We definitely don't repeat what we say on a week to week basis, but there definitely are repeat winners uh, coming through the world of motorsports this past weekend. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co host who's on the road this week, the owner of a liquid color Dale Earnhardt Jr. diecast sundrop car. Uh, a computer genius, a gentleman, a scholar, an iRacing Indy 500 champion, and one of Jacksonville Jaguars' biggest fans. His name is Josh Fine. What's going on, brother? Doing great, Phil. Of course, yeah. Uh, the liquid color um, diecast Dale Jr. Sundrop car from last year. I appreciate the uh, gift there, man. It was a really, really nice gesture of you, and um, I really, really like the color of it. Um, I've never actually owned a liquid color car in the past, so this is actually my first one of uh, the diecasts that I have, but um, I yeah, really like it, and uh, it'll pair well with uh, the Kansas Sundrop that I've got in the fridge back home, so uh look forward to being able to stage a little picture there or something like that, along with the North Wilkes Blower Sundrop shirt that I've got. So we'll figure something out there. Um, but yeah, looks yeah, doing great. And of course, yeah, we had a ton of repeat winners this past weekend, both in NASCAR and F1. So yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, so we're going to get into F1. We're actually not, I don't think we're going to meet the seven and a half minute guideline. We might go a little bit over at this week because of breaking news uh, that took place earlier today. We're doing this on a Tuesday, the 11th of July. So uh, Daniel Ricardo was uh, brought in to Alpha Tori now to take over for Nick DeVries after 10 rounds of the Formula One World Championship. So uh, I definitely have a take on that. Um, we'll get into Fish Lips winning yet again, but really the race was behind him and it was quite an interesting race. And we'll get into all that. Uh, Lando Norris, arguably the best race, he's ha- race weekend he's ever had. I mean, granted, he had the Russia weekend where he probably should have won his first race. But um, I think this is probably one of the best weekends he's ever had. Uh, Getting all that, all the points, we'll talk about all the events in NASCAR. William Byron takes uh, the series leading fourth win of 23 with his second win at Atlanta since the reconfiguration. Uh, Rain-shortened race. Of course, when it's a Hendrick car, you know that they'll always call call it when uh Hendrick Carr's leading. Uh John Hunter Nemechek uh ended up being the beneficiary when Justin Haley Ross chastained uh Daniel Hemrick uh late in the race, not by wrecking him, but getting out of line and running side by side. Uh because with his pathetic excuse that he said he was running out of fuel. Um we'll get into that. And then uh Corey Heim. While basically every other person on the racetrack was either running into someone or running into the grass or dirt or sand and looking like monkeys effing footballs, um, that was even that was on the the after the day before when Sean Higurani went and ran over Dean Thompson in the Arca race like a jackass and um, thankfully got suspended for it because he's a moron and um, you know so. Uh, and a tool, but and he does that. That's an it, it's a common theme because he wrecks somebody in a super at I think Milwaukee a few weeks ago. So it's a common theme. So maybe somebody just has to run him over, maybe, and then uh, after that somebody just has to beat his ass. But we'll get into all the NASCAR stuff. Uh, IMSA was at Mossport. We'll get in all. We'll get into the results there for roundup. 
F2 and F3 at Silverstone, Supercars at Townsville, Extreme Island Expri, the World Endurance Championship, and F1 Academy was at Monza. We'll preview the Superstar Racing Experience, which uh, starting this Thursday will be on on Thursday nights. Thursday Night Thunder, the return. I'm I'm hoping and praying they got Dave Despain to go and do the Open like they used to have. It was so classic. Probably didn't, but um, we'll we'll see about that. Formula E is in Rome, so that's a big. Uh, they're getting close to the end of their season. Only got a couple rounds to go here, so title the championships very tight. World Superbikes at Imola, where the title's definitely not tight. Uh, we'll get through all that. We'll preview the Indy cars at Toronto this weekend. Make our uh, make our picks already. Simon Pagano's been uh, has not passed concussion protocols. So Tom Blumquist, the Meyer Shank Racing. Acura prototype driver defending series champion um, is going to be, uh, yeah, or no, defending, I, yeah, he's going to be in the 60 car this coming weekend, amongst other things. And of course, silly season's starting to roll. Uh, we'll talk about Ross Chastain too in Cup because now he's going to be driving the Bushlight Chevy. So that'll be interesting. While Stuart Haas basically has no sponsors. Um, so that's always great. But then when you run as bad as they do, how the hell do you have sponsors? Um, and speaking of Stuart Haas and Cup, uh, Xfinity will be at New Hampshire. We'll make our previews and picks. Josh will talk about all things sim and gaming in a sim segment. We'll call it a day. So uh, let's start with the British Grand Prix at Silverstone. Uh, one of the classics, of course. One of the ones everybody wants to win. And... Uh, it's a race, a rare race that Fishlips hasn't won until this past weekend. And um, he had a battle for it. He had he had a, a battle to qualify on pole. Uh, Lando Norris almost got him on that. Uh, the McLarens were really fast this past weekend. Lando Norris and Oscar Piastri started second and third. You had... Uh, the Ferraris behind them, then the Mercedes, Alexander Albon for Williams qualified in the top 10, Fernando Alonso, Gasly, um, Logan Sargent made his second Q2 appearance of the year. Um, and then Sergio Perez actually uh, didn't even make it out of Q1 because of issues for Kevin Magnussen. That adds to the repeatability uh, bit that we're, we got going on today. Um with any whatever power unit or driveline issues that he had. Uh, so that was the qualifying. And then in the race, I mean, Fishlips drove away after Lando Norris actually had made a good start and was leading for the first, I think, five laps of the race or four and a half or however. So he actually was racing pretty well and he was battling his best friend or whatever. The fact that Max Verstappen has friends surprises me, but, um, uh, fish lips ended up uh, passing him and basically running away. And then Kevin Magnuson had another breakdown. This time it was on the Wellington straight and qualifying. Uh, I have to go and bring up the, yeah. So at, uh, during qualifying, he, uh, he had issues and broke down just past Stowe and was going up Vale to go head into the club, in a club corner and the chicane over there. Uh, he had an issue then, uh, during the race, he broke down on the Wellington straight. They had to call a, 
uh, virtual safety car and then eventually a full safety car that took forever. Uh, in that process, Oscar Piastri had pitted already and got screwed, basically got screwed by that. Um, would have been his first podium of his career, but he didn't look like a rookie this past weekend. The results of the British Grand Prix, Fish Lips, Lando Norris, Lewis Hamilton, his 14th podium finish in 16 races at Silverstone. So um, for all those people that don't like him, you can take that and suck it. Uh, he's won there eight times or seven times. They didn't even know which one it was. Some say seven, some say eight. I don't know. How the hell do you have I F that up? He hasn't won there in a couple of years, so the stats show it. Um, Piastri, Russell, Checo Perez from 15th after a penalty for Valtteri Botas. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm good here, but I think you'd, yeah. So, um, yeah, we had Alonzo, Albon, Leclerc, and Sainz after an absolute cluster by Ferrari with their strategy per usual. And Logan Sargent, uh, was the first one out of the points in 11th after a penalty to Lance Stroll because he hit everything but the lottery, um, even though he hit the the genetic lottery and the fact that he's going to be able to have billions and billions of dollars uh, once his dad eats it, but the fact is he still can't drive. But yeah, I think the big, big story or takeaway is what McLaren has done. At the start of the year, they were completely out to lunch, and in a span of 10 rounds of four months, uh, they have remade their car to a point where they're competing with Red Bull to a point. They're up there with Mercedes, Ferrari, Aston, and now they actually are a factor. And Lando Norris is uh, looking, has a lot of confidence, and uh, things are on the upswing for McLaren in Formula One, which has been an issue for many years for them. And um, I think he put together the best uh, ra race weekend of his career. Sands, of course, the uh, Russian Grand Prix a couple of years back. But his performance and McLaren's performance, I think, stood out as much as anything to me, Josh. Um, yeah, Lewis benefited from the the VSC and the safety car, but, you know, he's one of the best. He tried to get at, at Lando, burned his tires off, almost lost third in the process. Basically outran um, George the whole weekend. Even though George did beat him in qualifying, he was faster than him on race pace and had proved it. Uh, Albon with another great performance, moving Williams further up in the constructors. I mean, and um, there was, I mean, that's really it. Alpines, uh, both Alpines fell out of the race, which is, I guess, par for the course. Um, and that ha ended up helping out in the process for Mercedes and for uh, some of these other teams that probably with the Alpines both functioning, I think there's a possibility Ferrari might've been out of the points there. But, um, what did you think of the race on Sunday, Josh? Um, it was crazy behind fish lips and for once it was actually entertaining, but I guess that kind of always seems to happen at Silverstone. Yeah. I mean, you know, Silverstone definitely has the entertaining races and, uh, I mean, we've obviously seen it in the past, you know, 2020, Lewis coming to the finish with um, a flat tire and um, 2021, of course, controversy with Max and Lewis there with the wreck um, that they had. Um, of course, um, last year, Max ne never in contention uh, and 
led to you know Checo or well uh, Carlos Sainz first win but you know this one finally uh, Max finally gets the win at the British Grand Prix but you know behind all of that yeah it's definitely entertaining and you know, I think something needs to be said about McLaren of course like you said um, they put in a lot of effort recently to upgrade their program they definitely have done uh, a lot of uh, upgrades over, over the last few years but we just haven't really had seen any of the results uh, to be honest with what what they've done um, over the past few seasons um, of course um, the season that they had uh, with Dan Ricardo winning at Monza, um, they were never really true contenders there. They had a handful of good races, but they never really turned anything uh, from that year into into more success uh, beyond that win. Um, but now it seems like maybe they have something for real finally. And you know the fact that they were able to hold the lead for at least a couple of laps there at the beginning of the race uh, before, of course. Um, DRS took over and Max was able to get out in front. Um, they actually led a handful of laps, so you know, at least um, Red Bull didn't uh, dominate the entire event, even though it was you know just the the first uh, handful of laps there uh, in the race. So yeah, definitely a interesting aspect there, and um, credit to McLaren for uh, finally maybe looking like they're for real and maybe better than a midfield contender. Finally, maybe they can break out of that uh, group that they've been in for the last couple of years, um, and definitely maybe towards the bottom uh especially last year i think they were probably towards the bottom of that tier uh in in the midfield and now maybe they're starting to break out of, into that upper echelon but um you know last year they were not really that great now the last couple of races they had uh some pretty good finishes with uh with lando and Oscar piastri so um yeah definitely a, a surprising uh, result there for them and um yeah i think it's a good thing that it happened at their home race uh in the british grand prix and uh interesting that uh, the outside of Red Bull and um, Verstappen, uh, the rest of the top five all Mercedes powers. So um, even though they aren't quite there up there, maybe in terms of pace with Verstappen and Red Bull, um, definitely a, a very encouraging, encouraging result for uh, you know for uh, Red Bull or Mercedes and uh, McLaren. So there's definitely a um, positivity in that uh, aspect, of course. But um, you know, on the other hand, uh, Verstappen continuing to dominate the series and uh you know definitely continuing to dominate um and red bull now getting their 11th straight win so tying mclaren for the longest streak of wins in uh f1 uh so far so um another tie into mclaren there but yeah verstappen continuing to dominate um and at least he had a little bit of a challenge uh in this race so um yeah definitely a, a lot of interesting things that happened um, of course you know some of the other guys in this race, like Logan Sargent, almost came close to getting his uh, first points finish um, and finishing in 11th. Uh, so just missing that and uh, yeah, disappointing there. But um, I think, you know, Williams also beginning to show a little bit more pace. They were shocking, of course, in uh, the practice sessions, having uh, quick, quick laps there. So uh, very shocking. And of course, Albon finishing in eighth also. So Williams also turning around. So another British based team uh, having a fairly good result for themselves uh, during the British uh Grand Prix and um, Ferrari also having decent result but not not great uh so yeah some interesting results there but yeah i mean you know the british grand prix seems to kind of be the uh beginning of the climax i guess in the f1 season and you know even though in the midst of the domination of uh max verstappen at least we got to see a little bit of change of scenery up front for sure and add that williams was celebrating their 800th grand prix i mean officially it was 799 uh it'll be 800 at 
Hungary in a couple weeks, but they um, celebrating that that milestone at Silverstone and having one of their best weekends they've had in a while is a big deal for them as well. And the Mercedes bringing up the Mercedes power unit, it's interesting how the customers are doing seemingly making more progress than the factory team. Uh, I wonder what's going on with that. Uh, I seems like Toto spends more time in talking in the media and coming up with excuses and this and that and the other instead of making heads roll for the fact that they can't make a good car uh, because they haven't made a good car since 2019 essentially you know so is what it is though we'll uh, get into the points and I mean we know uh, for Fishlips is going to win another championship, so that's whatever. 99 points up on Checo Perez. Guy can't even get out of Q1. That that helps. So almost four race wins ahead. Um, he's not going to lock up the championship at Hungary like uh, Nigel Mansell did in 1992, but there's a pretty good chance that he'll have it locked up in October uh, at the rate he's going. Alonso third. Uh, what is it? Uh, 20 19 points behind Checo, and then certain Lewis Hamilton is what 35 points out of second and 16 points out of third. Uh, Carlos Sainz, George Russell are separated by a point. Charles Leclerc is nine points behind Carlos Sainz, so that's a good battle to look at for fifth in the drivers' championship, uh, second in the drivers' championship. Then you have Stroll and Norris, who I think. Norris is going to end up overtaking him in a in pretty soon. Uh, if Oscar Piastri can start putting together some, continue to do some solid runs, I think he's going to get in the top ten. Alpine uh, and their lack of reliability now hitting Esteban Ocon. It's been hitting Pierre Gasly, Alex Alex Albon at eleven points, and Logan Sargent will not finish last in the. Uh, World Drivers Championship because he's had better finishes than Nick DeVries and he's um still on the grid um which I and so that's that's the drivers and the teams what is it he they've got over a 200 you know they have a 208 point lead right yeah yeah so 200 or 205 yeah I'm I'm my math of course it's this late in the uh late in the day i can't do math or something uh yeah 208 there you go i was right sorry um uh, on mercedes mercedes has a 22 point lead on aston martin ferrari is uh 24 points behind aston martin for third there mclaren has a 12 point lead on alpine williams is tied with hass for seventh but they have the better finish the uh, best results, so they're ahead of Haas. Um, Alfa Romeo is nine points, and Alfa Tori rounding out the rear with two points. And that leads into the breaking news of today, when we actually are doing the show. Uh, there's the, the I guess, the uh, they've been squeezing. It's been, that, it's been tightening on... Uh, Things have been getting worse and worse for Nick DeVries. One-eyed Marco's been basically burying him at any chance he could get. Um, even one of his so-called best friends, Max Verstappen, couldn't even save him. One-eyed Marco basically threw um, Nick DeVries under the bus and uh, let him go. Didn't bother to, you know, give a proper, you know, like 
you have a respectful send off. He just dumped him out like he's dumped so many other drivers. But Daniel Ricardo uh, had a tire test at Silverstone, and they were waxing poetic about how fast he was. And um, I guess. I mean, they made a determination based on one Grand Prix that they were going to hire Nick DeVries. So now their new determination is, okay, after one tire test, let's just go and hire somebody. Let's just go and put him in the car. I mean, that, that's Red Bull for you. But what did you think, Josh, when you heard the news? Um, I mean, I have my rant, but I'll, I'll give you the floor uh, first in terms of... Um, Daniel Ricardo making a return after what we thought was probably the end of his Formula One career, uh, driving basically being a backmarker at McLaren. Yeah, I mean, you know, you talk about the uh, Ricardo's kind of up and downs throughout his career since he left Red Bull back in at the end of 2018, and you know he had his two years at uh, Renault that went okay, and then he decided to take on a opportunity to go to uh, McLaren, and you know, like I mentioned earlier, it ended up taking the win at Monza, drove Dale Earnhardt's number three. But other than that, it ended up being a true struggle and never really seemed to be like his self that he was at Red Bull um, during his, you know, top of his career there that where he made, you know, so many uh, great overtakes over the years and uh, a lot of moments that, you know, led him to, you know, be um, one of the more popular drivers in the series. Uh, so uh, the fact that now he's rehired uh, back into uh, an Alpha Tori. I mean, personally, me, I'm a Ricardo fan, so I'm happy to see that he's back in the series um, and that he has a, a chance at, I mean, maybe not a victory, of course, but certainly um, if this tire test is truly ind- indicative of his talent uh, and what he's able to do uh, in uh, this type of car, then maybe uh, certainly uh, could see some very interesting moments from him uh, throughout the rest of the year. And it'll be up to him to be able to keep the ride and you know be able to prove that you know the tire test is not a fluke and um that he definitely has something still left in the tank uh, uh here in formula one so um a lot of people i mean my thought maybe even the drive with uh you know as a test driver role that not really uh gonna be able to have a chance anymore it's gonna be tough to get back into a top ride and yeah alpha tori is not really a top ride uh although one might argue that yuki Tsunoda has had a a few moments here and there um, of being able to get the most out of that car, even though by, I think by all accounts, probably one of the more uh, worst cars on the grid. So uh, there's an opportunity for Ricardo. Uh, I think, I think definitely Ricardo has a chance uh, to be competitive in this car. So we'll see uh, if he can get the job done and uh, if he's able to keep the ride at the end of the year uh, beyond. So, um, I mean, there's always a chance to, uh, as a reserve driver, that you get back in, but then there's always the chance that you never get back into it. And, of course, maybe people thought that uh, Ricardo had a better chance if he decided to go to NASCAR and do a one-off there. There's been plenty of opportunities over you know this year, what, what we've seen for him to do that. Um, and other series where he could have done a one-off or something to stay relevant and stay fresh uh but you know he managed to stay the course and has uh landed the opportunity now to get a ride but on the other end nick devry of course we saw what he was able to do in his reserve role where he went out and performed well and got in the points in his one race last year and that led to this opportunity this year to be able to uh run well at alfatori and um yeah i mean you 
also mentioned that yeah he hasn't really ran that great but um maybe it's not his fault necessarily and maybe just hasn't been given good enough cars from you know from red bull from alpha tori so um unfortunate there um and we'll have to see if he's able to get a new opportunity somewhere else um or does he go back to uh, formula e where he was before or, uh, another series where maybe he can show his talent or you know perhaps maybe uh team here in IndyCar over in the States decides to pick him up and give him an opportunity where he can be more competitive in a, um, you know, a car that, um, maybe, you know, similar to like what Roman Grosjean did a couple of years ago, something similar where he went into, did approve a deal on a kind of a lower team, but still managed to be competitive at several racetracks. So there's always that opportunity if, um, IndyCar owners out there are listening or, um, are, uh, maybe on the watch for a driver of that talent. So uh, we'll have to see. But yeah, I mean, it's an interesting development. And, you know, one end, great for a popular driver to be back in the series. But on the other hand, somebody who's um, definitely a rising talent uh, getting the short end of the stick there. Yeah, I mean, there's I it 10 races is not, you know, um, enough of a, a a sample size to determine if a guy can drive or not, really. But it is Red Bull's MO to go and do this. I mean, you could just see the the absolute like laundry list of of drivers that they've ran in and out of Formula One just on the Red Bull team itself. You know, what I mean, I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's just crazy um, how many people they've had. I mean, they had an American deal going for initially years and years ago, and um. I mean, it's just crazy the the people they have. I mean, now I'm I'm counting like I I'm trying to look up how many people they have right now under their deal. You have what is it? Six drivers in Formula Two, one in Super Formula, Liam Lawson. So that's uh, in Formula Three, Sebastian Montoya. So two sons of uh of a uh, racing drivers or whatever, a uh, famous racing drivers. You have one American and Jack Crawford. Some guy I've never even heard of there. Arvid Lindblad. I think he was doing some sim racing during the um, pandemic. Twelve drivers as of now. Um, We look at um, look at that. And like right now they have two guys uh, amongst that group that have one hardware. Um, Dennis Hauger was is the defending Formula three champion. And then Lindblad. But then you go and look back in the history of Red Bull drivers, uh, Christian Clean, who did run for Jaguar and Red Bull uh, once they became Red Bull and then got ran out of town. Vitantonio Liuzzi, who was with um, with what was, what is it? Uh, not it wasn't. I mean, not Alfa Toro, Toro Rosso. He was with Red Bull and Toro Rosso. And then got canned at the same time as Scott Speed. Um, Kvyat was hired, rehired, uh, fired, and or demoted, rehired, and now he's going to be driving for Lamborghini and sports cars. Alexander Albon is more recent. They rushed him up after I don't know how many races on Gasly. He ends up flaming out at Red Bull, and now he's at Williams uh, after taking a year off in uh, in um, to do DTM. Then you have uh, you have Pierre Gasly as well, who now, of course, is out in 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 uh, Alpine. Uh, 
they they're forgetting uh, Carlos signs or no graduates of Toro are also okay. So these are the people that actually went to Red Bull. All right, and then the people Carlos. The, this list is very interesting too. Scott Speed, as I mentioned, Sebastian Buemi, who's won Formula E championships. Jaime Alguasari, who just disappeared off the face of the planet. Brendan Hartley, who's a sports car champion multi-sports car champion, Le Mans winner, Jean-Eric Verne, who's a, a Formula E champion, Carlos Sainz, who, of course, landed on his feet with three other team, two other teams, and now is settled at Ferrari, and Yuki Sonoda, who's actually now in his third year with that team, which is basically the longest some of these guys have gotten. I mean, it's just, it's like a, a cesspool. I, I mean, I, I can't stand Red Bull just based on their arrogance especially i mean they're poor losers and they're even worse winners and you have marco with his typical bullshit comments saying shit about all these drivers and and you're you're i'm not saying you have to treat baby them but it's like dude your track record of running people in and out of town is not very you run most of these people out of town they end up generally in a lot of cases have been all right but that's after you ran them over, like they're they're shit. And it's like, they really aren't that bad. It's just that you provide them terrible race cars once they get to Formula One. Or you just focus on one car and then you make three shitty ones. That's literally what Red Bull is. They make a shitty second car and bury that driver. Alpha Tori is a dumping ground. They It's, it, what do you, what the hell are you trying to do? You know, like you... They, they, I've been on record, or I'm on, I'm going on record here because it's our show. AlphaTauri is going to have two new drivers next year, amongst that whatever list that they had of the active drivers in their development program. And they, and they said this on Motorsport.com. One of their columnists was saying, "What is what the logic for the move?" And the logic for the move, they said, paraphrasing is essentially pressure on Sergio Perez because if he doesn't turn it around they have a ready-made guy who's a winning F1 driver albeit you know not once recently but it has been a long time and he's a Red Bull former I mean he's a Red Bull the guy came through all this crap and then he can go and be the cuckold to fish lips and because he'll be able to go and sit there and maybe qualify in Q3 and get some points. I mean, that's literally where we're going. And to me, that's not a healthy method of running a motorsport program. But then One-Eyed Marco's been doing this shit for decades and raced in Formula One, and he thinks he knows everything. He thinks he's God, and that's part of the problem. That arrogance goes down to Karen Horner, who is a trust fund baby, who raced and then decided to quit and got in with Matisic and um, somehow or another was able to fuck a Spice Girl and uh, now he's married to her. Um, and then you have your two greatest fi- finds. One of them was a BMW junior driver, Sebastian Vettel. And then the other one is Fish Lips because they signed him. Essentially, he they say they he was they signed him in for 15 because uh it, it worked out in the sense that Mercedes was going to get him and i think he had other offers but Mercedes wanted to make him actually have him run through junior categories red bull basically said okay no you've already ran whatever uh what is this formula 3 european championship and um 
that's good enough for us and we'll go and put you in a in a um Toro Rosso. He ran one full season and like five races and then got into Red Bull and the rest is history. But to me it's like you've never really how many other than Daniel Ricardo, how many of these guys have they cultivated and have they been really successful with Red Bull? Pierre Gasly won one race and now he's gone. Carlos Sainz really wasn't like all that amazing he did all right at Toro Rosso, but once he left, he's done way better. You look at this list of drivers, a lot of them, after leaving the cesspool of a program, have done well for themselves, but it not it's in spite of the fact of how Marco and some of these other pieces of crap that run that organization talk about him. I mean, they buried Scott Speed. They're part of the problem. They were part of the reason why there hasn't been, there's only been two Americans on the grid since 2007. They had this American development program, which ironically, a lot of those drivers, I'll go down that rabbit hole here in a second. I mean, of course, Scott Speed. But then you you talk about, I mean, the graduate summary, yeah, several, yeah, they made, I mean, this is a crazy amount of drivers that have made it to F1. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six, seven, eight, yeah, nine, Rossi ten, eleven, that, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I don't think so. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Nineteen drivers from the Red Bull uh, Junior program have made it to F one, and then another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So that's thirty drivers have had some experience. Uh, a, co- a total of thirty drivers have driven. An F1 car had some connection in World Series by Renault or something like they've been in a top, you know, junior feeder series. One of those, of course, being uh, Robbie Wickens, uh, what is it, Colin Fleming, American driver, Neil Yanni, who's testing for Sauber and Audi in their process to become a full uh, power unit manufacturer, Philippe Albuquerque, who races here in IMSA. Michaela Lotion, IndyCar driver, Antonio Felix da Costa, former Formula E champion, Alex Lynn, who's in Formula E, I think, and then Dan Dick Tantrum, who's in Formula E. Um, yeah, with the, it was searching for the yeah, they don't bother they didn't bother to list all the people there. They had the American spin off and then he didn't list all the people that were in there. I think there was uh but whatever the Red Bull that I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I, they had a list of the those American drivers, and they really were, um, a lot of them guys have ended up being really well off in the sense that they were able to make careers for themselves, even in spite of Red Bull, um, thankfully. Um, so yeah, they cultivate, they've cultivated talent, sure. How many of them have actually done anything in a Red Bull car? One. That's that in in twenty. What is this? We're talking about twenty years. They've been around twenty five. If you count the fact that a fit, what do you call one eyed Marco has run this program since ninety nine. So yeah, so twenty essentially twenty five years. Twenty five years of Red Bull in some way, shape, or form running a driver development program. Numerous drivers that generally have had successful careers. The vast majority of them not in a Red Bull car, and only one of them. Daniel Ricardo actually winning in a Red Bull car. The two most famous guys that Red Bull purports, neither of them were actually Red Bull development drivers. They might have had a sponsorship with them, but they weren't development drivers. 
So I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, it's, I, I know people say you hate Red Bull, so you're just going to go and rag on them. You hate Max Verstappen and all this stuff. Yeah, I don't care for Max Verstappen. I never will. I don't care what he does. He's a, he's a, he's a fish lip prick and he drives like an asshole when he's around Lewis Hamilton. But somehow or another, everybody else moves around and lets him go by, so all of a sudden he can drive a race. He can drive a race car, but he's a cocksucker, and 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 he's a horrible person. And his his dad's a prick. His future father-in-law is a horrible person. Uh, fit, what do you call Karen Horner's a piece of shit, and so is One-Eyed Marco. So the point is, he's basically coddled to be the most horrible person in the world. And he does it. And now he has the best car and he can dominate without even having to try. Like literally you could go and you could put, I mean, but to be fair with Adrian Newey, I think you could put it, you could give him a toilet, put wheels on it. And I think he could make that car win too. Um, well, that's essentially what the Alpha Tori is, right? Um, we'll see what, we'll see what uh, old Danny Rick has in store. It'll be a lot more entertaining uh, press conferences and crap like that, but. The notion that he's going to bring them back up and get up to like Williams and all that, I have a hard time believing that. Um, but it also is a thing where it's kind of a squeeze on both Yuki Sonoda and Sergio Perez, which, I mean, that if I'm Liam Lawson or I'm Iwasa or some of these people that might be in line for that, I'm like, huh. I'm trying to go and start hedging because I'm, I would be trying to hedge my way out the, out the effing door. I, it's like if I'm Seb Montoya, my dad drove for uh for cheap Ganassi and Roger Penske. I'd be like, hey dad, can you go and uh, call one of them teams and see if the they have stuff going on, or maybe talk to Andretti since he wants to run a Formula One program, maybe, and you know he has Indy cars and likely has at least one opening and might have more two openings next year. I don't know. Um. All right, that went longer than I thought it would, but it's probably because I can't stand Red Bull. And um, so we'll get back. We'll get back to the seven and a half minutes of, of Formula One coverage next week. But I had to say that and do that. I, I just it just really pissed me off. Uh, okay, will Byron wins again? Whoop de freaking do! Um, it was convenient uh, how he won that uh, because of the not looking at all charter. Yeah, the. They should be because they suck. Um, I mean, I know they're going to keep the seven. That's fine. But they should, for the greater good of the sport, get rid of the second car because they're god awful and join another another team or something. Get in with Trackhouse or some shit. They're a marketing firm. They're not a racing team. And I mean, granted, I, I mean, I can't say that as much this year because they're outrunning a lot of they're outrunning one RCR car. They're outrunning three SHR cars and some of these other guys that are with the big time team. So guess they're turning it around, but how many years are you going to give it until Corey LaJoy makes good one until he turns 40? I mean, whatever. And he'll always be a favorite at, at these drafting tracks, Uh Quaker state 400 at Atlanta, uh, light under lights, night race. They only got 185 of the scheduled 260 laps, uh, completed, uh, the results, William Byron, Daniel Suarez in the Quaker State Chevy, AJ Almendinger, Michael McDowell, Kyle Busch, the top five, Brad Keselowski, 
the winner of stage two in the race. J.J. Yaley's first top 10 in God knows how long. I forget. They had the thing up there, and I'm like, that 15 car is running up front, and the 14 car is running tailback. That tells you all you need to know about how bad Stuart Haas cars are. J.J. Yaley has been and never will be in a, in a stock car, and he'll drive any rent direct you tell him to drive. You pay me, I'll drive a rent direct. It's fine. The thing he drive, I don't know if he drove for that piece of crap uh, G2G guy, but I, it's entirely possible. He's driven for all the slime that's been in in NASCAR. I think for every slimy, grimy person, and Rick Ware, of course, is like in terms of what's left in terms of NASCAR Cup owners that actually have charters. He's probably the lowest of the low. So, but ironically. J.J. Ailey's actually not running that bad this year. He's had a bunch of top 20 finishes. So Rick Ware seems to be at Rick Ware Racing. I guess they have a connection. I'm not sure. They have some stuff with SHR. I don't know if they do some stuff with RFK or they've improved their, you know, in, in-house program. But credit to J.J. Ailey. Uh, only if he could have done it in the 11 car back in 2005 and the 18 car for the how many two years he had the 18 car. <laughs> Maybe his career would have been a little different. Maybe we wouldn't know about old Dennis Hamlin or Kyle Busch wouldn't have had a soft landing like he had theoretically with RCR. Justin Haley, Ryan Blaney, who started second, was one of the dominant figures in race. Finished uh, first in stage one, second in stage two. Richard finished 10th. There were um, 18 leaders, 18 lead changes amongst 12 drivers. Sorry, 18 lead, 18 lead changes amongst 12 drivers. Larson uh, led, got wrecked. Um, Austin Hill had a wreck. Chastain, uh, Gibbs, Gagson, you know, Cold Custard making his first cup start of the year in a 51. Corey LaJoy was involved in the wreck. Kevin Harvick, but... um. Yeah, the most laps were led by Eric Almirola, who actually qualified on pole. Second most laps led were by Christopher Busher. And then uh, you have Blaney, Keselowski, Blaney and Byron, and then Keselowski. But yeah, in the end, uh, Byron led, yeah, the last 18 laps of the race, made that pass on A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, it looked like a day where Ford had a pretty good shot of winning. Uh, Keselowski actually went to pit late in the race and put tires on, had to come through the pack, ran out of time. Will Byron, A.J. Allmendinger, some of them other guys stayed out, and that was the right strategy. Rudy Fugel making uh, that call, uh, and the career season for Will Byron continues. Josh, fourth win of the year um, in terms of playoff points, I mean, he's, I think he's the uh, overall, yeah, he's definitely the overall points leader uh, by 21, 21 points over Martin Truex Jr. Uh, he's got a five point playoff point lead on Kyle Bush. He's won more stages than anybody this year and seven more wins than anybody. Uh, if he can get that 15 playoff point bonus, it could be uh, a, saving grace for him to get through at least the first two rounds of the playoffs. But Will Byron comes through again and uh, had to have a couple of rough two, three years or whatever. And he's slowly but surely figuring this thing out. And with Rudy Fugel, who was his crew chief in the trucks a few years ago, seems like they have a potent combination going on there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have a potent combination there. And um, 
William Byron, of course, a couple of years ago, um, wasn't really anything, and we thought he was just an okay average driver, uh, but now seemingly has come out of uh, whatever funk he was in the first two or three years in Cup and has uh, become a respectable driver over the last uh, two seasons now. And uh, Once again, Denny Hamlin's being proved right, as he said at the beginning of the year with how his... Um, you know, with his prediction on William Byron's season and you know, William Byron leading the series down wins. Um, although for some reason, I personally don't feel like he's actually dominating, um, like, you know, Jeff Gordon and even Kyle Larson from two years ago, but he's just, uh, happened to collect the most amount of wins. And of course this, uh, next gen racing, uh, has been very volatile and even though it's not as volatile as last year there's still uh, there's a lot of variance in who actually runs up front uh, on a week-to-week basis so uh, definitely um, a very uh, dominating performance well for um, contextually speaking for William Byron but I think you know the other part of this is the you know racing uh, that we saw on Sunday night you know a lot of the announcers on the booth were you know, raving, Dale Jr. raving about the race, but I mean, I'm not sure if it's really true or not. I mean, I guess you can kind of say it's starting to look like kind of like an old super speedway race, like mid-90s Daytona in a way, uh, or even, you know, go back further, sort of, kind of, sort of to the 80s if you want in a way, but um, you know, the, there's handling starting to come into play. I mean, tires did kind of matter. I mean, Keselowski kind of made his way up towards front um, after he made his final pit stop, but he wasn't. He ran out of time uh, to be able to get up front. Um, and there's still you know a lot of momentum that you need to really be able to make any moves. Uh, and you really need a, a lot of drafting help, and that's why that's why as soon as William Byron took the lead there at the end of the race, um, I knew it was going to be over because it just didn't look like um, the cars that he had to get by to get to the lead. It didn't look like to me that they were very strong. Uh, in terms of being able to get back around him. Uh, Almendinger didn't really look like he had a ton of pace there. Uh, Michael McDowell had damage and was kind of kind of slow because of that. Uh, and then Daniel Suarez, I think, was also trying to trying to go for the lead there at the end. Uh, so I, I think you know, it's tough for him to stay in line and help when he's trying to um, take advantage of uh, securing a spot there uh, in, the, in the playoffs. So, yeah, the... Racing itself was okay, but uh, I mean, it's still this new Atlanta Super Speedway package, which not really too in favor of, um, although it's starting to look a little bit different there. So um, maybe in a few years, we'll, um, while it'll still be a flat out track, but maybe in a few years, it'll get spread out and maybe there'll, there'll be a little bit more interesting moves happen um, there. But, uh, you know, the uh, performance there by, you know, Byron, yeah, I mean, uh, taking advantage of the taking advantage of the you know the pit stop and everybody who uh pitted on the final caution and then being up front when it started raining uh after the final caution so uh, a lot of a lot of fortune there for William Byron there and then of course he was uh in the pits earlier in the race and lost the lap so he was able to get back there so they've they've had a lot of good fortune to start uh, off this year now um you know they're looking like the top team here in the cup series to uh you know so far in the summer so um you know the rest of the field i mean you know almondinger ha- had a shot like i said he couldn't stay up front and of course our algorithm pick there and uh daniel suarez um almost made it up there to the front but uh you know it just didn't look like it was um 
uh, enough time for him to get up front. And you need a little bit more organization there, back there. So, um, yeah, I mean, this race was, you know, definitely um, interesting. And, I mean, a lot of people say it's exciting, but I kind of disagree. And then, of course, the rain happened, and then NASCAR, you know, gets put in this awkward position of do we stop the race and call it? Do we continue on? Do we wait until it's it gets really bad? And, of course, now um, they're very much erring on the side of caution, which I guess is best for the drivers. But, you know, also, on the other hand, like, um, you know, you have to consider how how bad the weather really is. So um, a lot of a lot of fans upset about that. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think they probably made the right decision in, in calling the race short. But, yeah, unfortunate deal there. So, um, I mean, exciting racing throughout it. But, you know, in the end, another repeat winner. Yeah, and it's not like, I mean, I, it's true what you said about Byron. It's not like he, I saw one meme on uh, the socials where they showed a FedEx truck backing into a into the garage, and that's basically what Will Byron seems to do, backing into wins. And it's like, well, you win the race. Doesn't really matter how you win the race. They don't, I mean, it, you can, it, it, it isn't style. We don't have figure skating or gymnastic scoring here. Um, you don't have to like it. I mean, obviously he's a typical Hendrick bum who has the personality of a chalkboard. Um, but you know, it, and the school that he goes to is disgusting as well. I mean, I guess that's where Northwestern seems to get that crap from, but, um, he wins. Chevrolet has definitely been on a, uh, upswing this year. You have the top, all these top guys are Chevy drivers. So let's see if the guy can actually keep it together and run it through in a, in a championship format. I mean, granted he did win an Xfinity title, uh, for junior, but we'll see what he can do. Uh, get into the points, uh, briefly. I mean, I got into the, the regular points there, but we'll get into the playoff standings. So still only 11, there's still 11 winners through 19 of the 26 races. Byron has that 21 point lead on uh, Martin Truex Jr. It's actually pretty, pretty uh, close uh, battle there uh, between Bush and Bell and Truex for second in points. I forget if they give out bonuses uh, outside of the, the, I think they give the top three or something like that. But um, I mean, Chastain's out. He's a little bit behind that, but he's starting to turn it around. Harvick is the leading uh, driver without a win, uh, plus 126 to the cut. Chris Buescher, plus 102. Brad Keselowski, plus 100. Then it gets interesting. Daniel Suarez and Michael McDowell are in by three. Bubba Wallace is out by three points. AJ Allmendinger's minus 13. Keebler Gibbs minus 26 and Gumby Sindrick minus 38 in 20th. So that's, um, those are the guys that I think are, those are the ones that are actually, and Haley is another further three points back. Bowman, uh, those are the guys that are, I guess, in the points situation. Bowman is 44 points behind in 22nd. So Clyde is right behind him. You know, so there's that. That's the situation right now uh, for the points. You got New Hampshire coming up this weekend. You have some different racetracks coming up, possible opportunities. We'll see what happens with that um, as we move forward. Xfinity Series, as I mentioned, uh, Alsco uniforms 
250 at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, John Hunter Nemechek takes his third win of 2023. Only led three laps. Cole Custer was the dominant driver. Or Haley actually was the dominant driver. Led 80 of the 100, what ended up being 169 laps of the race. Um, Josh Berry led the second most laps. Then you had Sheldon Creed and Sieg. Those Creed and Sieg both got wrecked. Uh, so, I mean, you see some of the regular guys. Barry got stage points, but didn't get a great finish. Chandler Smith qualified on pole, led early, but fell back. Um, Austin Hill cried wolf because nobody wanted to work with him. Well, newsflash. I mean, and even Parker Kligerman effed that up and apologized later. He's like, yeah, well, that's probably why you're an Xfinity driver and why you work on TV um, when you're not working with your corporate teammate. But granted, it's better off because we don't need to see Austin Hill win every freaking super speedway type drafting race. Um, John Hunter Nemechek, Daniel Hemrick, Cole Custer, Justin Haley, Sam Merritt, top five, Keebler Gibbs, Kyle Sieg with a top 10. Wow. Parker Kligerman, Josh Williams, after parking it in March, gets a top 10 this time, and Sammy Smith rounds out the top 10. I aforementioned Hill was 12th. Uh, Clemens started in the top 10, finished 15th. Justin Allgaier, 17th. Josh Berry, uh, 19th. And Chandler Smith, 20th. I mentioned Creed and Herbst, or Riley Herbst was there. He was involved in that same wreck with Sieg. So that was that. I mean, the one, one thing you could take away, yes, John Arnonimacek, I guess, benefited from... Uh, infighting between college racing they seem to have a, a handle on the race uh, but it started to get away from them and then justin haley allegedly had issues with fuel because they hadn't pitted for a while but if your car was cutting in and out then how the hell were you able to stay side by side with daniel hemrick for as long as you did um instead of pushing him when you're a cup driver Daniel Hemrick struggled for basically his entire time with college racing. The whole, the job and the determination was we need to push him into the playoffs. So I don't know where that disconnect happened for Justin Haley, but I mean, he doesn't have any problems with job security anyway. Um, Daniel Hemrick was not pleased uh, with that result. Uh, they basically gave the race away and handed it to John Hunter Nemechek, uh, which the guy doesn't really, he doesn't need um charity to go and win races the mf can win races on his own uh but yeah i mean john hunter wasn't the dominant figure by any means but you know he backing into a victory well that's a second example of somebody backing into a victory there josh i mean he's definitely backed into a lot of victories uh well uh here but you know for john hunter i mean kind of a it feels like a rare win for him because he's not typically a super speedway guy um, but now has a super speedway win at Atlanta. Uh, and you know, he's, he's been somebody that's been dominant throughout the year in Xfinity. So it's not that surprising that he won, but yeah, you talk about the infighting between colleague teammates and you know, in the past we've seen colleague teammates work together. Um, that's always been their kind of MO at the super speedways where they've always kind of ran up front and figure out a way to stay together and then until the last lap and then maybe anything goes after that but they've definitely been uh the team that has 
worked together the most um, and executed the plan the best. And it's been the Xfinity field versus the college cars, but uh, it looked like that until the end um, when Austin Hill spun out the cause the last caution there to go into overtime. Uh, and Chandler Smith, Justin Haley were leading, but then. Um, of course, somehow Haley doesn't have fuel issues, but then, like you said, um, fighting with Hemrick, they're going side by side, kind of ruining their both their chances for the win. So, um, yeah, not sure what the deal is there. Um, on one hand, you know, you have a guy like Hemrick who, outside of his one win that won him the championship, has not really had anything in the Xfinity Series. Uh, and then you also have Haley who has a couple of wins here and there in the Xfinity Series and now a full-time cup driver. Um, now trying to just go for a win for himself for fun, uh, no points, no risk. So maybe he just wants to win for himself. And I don't know, maybe really feels like one got away from him last weekend at Chicago with Shane Van Ginsburg, uh, overtaking him for the win there, but now has an opportunity for a win here. And maybe he was trying to get that one back. I don't know, but, um, you know, of course they're not really, uh, working together like colleague teammates have been known to do. So, uh, you know that that's a disconnect there and a little bit in, in fighting there so um not always a perfect execution there by the colleague teams uh, and then you talk about austin hill complaining about it because no one were, wanted to work with him uh i mean it's kind of the opposite of uh you know the old days when uh everybody wanted to work with dale jr because they knew he could get up to the front uh in a super speedway race well now um the, I guess the best super speedway racer in uh, Xfinity now he gets hung out to dry at the end be, or re- people refuse to work with him because they know if he gets up front well he's probably going to win the race so now he has a um, not a not a win there this year on the uh, Xfinity super speedway there at uh, Atlanta so yeah I mean race race was um, you know definitely a handful of laps led by Justin Haley Josh Berry leading as well so Berry finally getting some super speedway experience up front there at the end of the race but unfortunately did not uh, go out and win the race or anything like that so um, yeah I mean this race definitely interesting but yeah at the end of the day another repeat winner there with uh, John H. Nemechek as uh, racing reference has the uh, name listed there winning the race. Yeah, John H. Nemechek. That's his. Uh, well, they'll come up with pseudo names. I mean, they were gonna. They were thinking they were gonna name him Hunter, and of course, the loss of um, Joe Nemechek's younger brother John uh, around the time when uh, Joe Nemechek and his wife at that time were expecting their first child, hence became John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, he leads the points overall. We'll get into the driver points there. Uh, Playoff points are one point difference uh, based on one more stage win. 16 point gap between uh, Nemechek and Austin Hill. Um, Cole Custer is minus 45. Allgaier is minus 54. That's essentially for the regular season title. After that, you're basically SOL. Um, the top five of all won. Josh Berry, the leading driver without a win. Then Sam Mayer, Daniel Hemrick's eighth in points. Um, Sammy Smith has won, of course, this year. Um, Sheldon Creed, Riley Herbst, Parker Kligerman round out the top 12 overall in points, but Kligerman is six points out of the cutoff due to um, Jeb Burton having a win. 
Kligerman six points off of Riley Herbst. And then um, after that, it's a huge gap uh, for Moffitt, Brockshot Jones, and Ryan Sieg. That would be something if Brockshot Jones somehow or another misses the playoffs in the nine car, albeit Junior Motorsports is not running anywhere near as well as they have in recent years. But Brockshot Jones jumping in the nine car, which has had a championship history over the years, and then first year with, I guess, major changes and the team bottoms out. But then it's Brockshot Jones, so it's not really shocking. Uh, Truck Series, O'Reilly Auto Parts 150 uh, at Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course a week after the Indy Cars. They, um, it was an interesting race for sure. Uh, get into the point standings here as well. Um, Corey Heim was fast all weekend, qualified on pole, led the most laps, and uh, takes the victory. You know, led 30 laps there. Ben Rhodes led 19. Ty Majeski led 17. So the Thor Sport team, uh, they won both stages. 36 laps led between those two guys, but neither of them end up with the with the trophy. Matt Crafton was... So all three guys, 5th, 6th, and 7th, the Thor Sport guys all led laps. Those are the only other drivers to lead laps. Not a whole hell of a lot of movement in regards to people scoring points or... Um, or scoring stage points. 10 cautions for 23 laps in a race that was 67 laps. So that's pretty terrible. Um, but Corey Heim ended up winning. Zane Smith, Christian Eckes, Stuart Friesen from tailback to fourth. Ben Rhodes, fifth. Crafton, Majeski, DiBurrito, Sanchez, and Tyler Ankrum, who won the ARCA race, and in large part due to the nonsense between Higurani and Dean Thompson uh, finished um, 10th. Uh, Marco Andretti made his NASCAR debut, finished 19th, just behind Connor Daly, running for um, Woody, um, uh, Nice Motorsports. Landon Lewis, a junior, a, a development driver who's working with Ron Hornady Jr., making his truck debut, finished 24th. Raja had issues and fell back, finished 29th. You know, some of these other people, Dale Quarterly, the Ageless Wonder, finished top five in the ARCA race, had overheating issues in the G2G shitbox. Um, Corey Heim is establishing himself as probably one of Toyota's uh, lead dogs for sure. He proved that last year with Kyle Busch Motorsports and limited races, but I got to say this year with a brand new organization and their new setup with Toyota being a factory team, Corey Heim is went above and beyond i mean he is outperforming the grays pretty pretty darn easily and then you know the one truck is just basically they they cycle all kinds of drivers in there so i mean Corey heim it may not be a reach to say he is the favorite right now to win this truck series championship granted zane smith and eckes are probably two of the other guys you could list in that were right there behind him but they weren't really a factor uh if I think if uh, Corey Heim, if it comes down to having to win, I think that 11 truck is the most likely out of those three to pull off a win as of now. But uh, what say you, you know, Josh, in regards to the truck series debacle at Mid-Ohio? Well, we do have to remember that Corey Heim was actually a Tate Fogelman algorithm pick. So <laughs> it was i mean it, let's not give it enough i mean we can give it credit but I mean, yeah. it's not like you know um its namesake how shocking yeah no happened. yeah so, 
but it, it happened, so it, it it technically was right. So <laughs> we 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 uh, got one there. So now, I mean, I don't know if we have to make it the Fogelmanheim algorithm. I think that might uh, that makes it less cool. I think it just yeah, it just has to be the Tate Fogelman algorithm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. I don't want to change it. <laughs> no, because it was just way cooler uh, with with it happening at Talladega and just yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but but still, I mean, it, it it's there. It we have it we have it on the books as it as it there. But um, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, yeah. This yeah, the truck series. I mean, at Mid Ohio. Um, I mean, why why are we doing this? Like, it's yeah, truck series drivers at a road course. It's very technical. Um, like that at Mid Ohio. I mean, I feel like the truck series is better off just having Watkins Glen as a uh, road course race because it's not not too challenging of road course in comparison to, uh, mid Ohio. Um, and it, the truck series, uh, driving style of all the drivers driving style of a NASCAR stock car in general seems to match up better with Watkins Glen with long straights and heavy braking zones and right handers, left handers, um, compared to, you know, winding road course, uh, with a lot of technical sec- sections like, uh, mid Ohio. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, the results showed themselves with the amount of cautions that the race had, um, and everything. So, um, a little bit interested in, you know, uh, Marco and Reddy's performance, obviously driving for Spire, of course, now their new partnership there with Gamebridge and Group 1001. So um, he had a good start there, but ended up finishing in 19th. So wonder if he's going to have any more opportunities uh, in the future at some of the road courses, or you know, potentially, uh, you know, if they put him, maybe, maybe they figure out a deal, uh, some last minute deal, and they get rid of Ty. Ty Dillon and go put Marco in the road races uh, for the Cup Series um, there. So I mean, he's uh, having a Xfinity start there now. Now has a truck start in NASCAR. So now he's got to make his Cup debut at some point. So we'll see if something like that works out. So you know, they got that there. Connor Daly, the other Indy car guy. So two Indy car guys finished back to back. Kind of interesting there. So yeah, but otherwise, yeah, a um, lot of um, action happening in this race in terms of wrecks and stuff. But yeah. Corey Heim, I mean, I, I can kind of agree, but, uh, with what you say there, but, um, I mean, it just depends on what day it is. And I think it just, it was Corey Heim's day, uh, last week at mid Ohio, but you know, next week, and we only got two races before the playoffs started at Richmond, but, um, Zane Smith, Christian Eckes, maybe it's their race next, uh, next race. So we'll see, uh, what ends up happening. Yeah. And I mean, the points right now, uh, Corey Heim, 26-point lead over Zane Smith, 51 on time at Jeske. Um, ben Rhodes, 53 back and fourth. Endfinger, 61. Eckes, minus 80. Um, Majeski, the only driver of that group that hasn't won. Hosevar in seventh has won twice. Um, Matt Crafton is only up by one point on Stuart Friesen for the cutoff. Um, Nick Sanchez is one point ahead of Matt Crafton. And then you have Matt D. Burrito. So from Matt D. Burrito to Stuart Friesen's five points. Hosevar is safe. He doesn't have to worry about it. Ben Rhodes, I mean, uh, Majeski's not going to dump. I don't think he's going to dump 100 points. And I don't think it's I don't think it's really mathematically possible. To, uh, I guess the most you could lose is 120 or 118 points because if you get... If you max out on stage points and get the playoff points and all that crap, I think it's 60 is the maximum you could get in a race, I believe. I'm, I might be remembering it. I think that's, yeah, I think that's right. 
because that's 50. He had 56 um, this week or this past weekend. So um, there is a shot that if everything goes to hell for Ty Majeski, he might not make it. But I have a high, or think there's a higher likelihood that some of these guys that are behind him would have that happen to them before him. Uh, so I really think there's seven locked in drivers in the playoffs with two races to go. Playoff points, all these winners, very close. So then the points would be really um, condensed, uh, minus whoever wins the regular season title, which right now at this moment looks like Corey Heim. They'll be running at Pocono next week. Uh, We'll preview that on the GSP. Um, I'll be attending that race with with family and friends, so hopefully there's good weather. Um, and we'll definitely look at that that you know playoff that bubble and everybody else. I think after Stuart Friesen, it's you, you need to win, and that's basically it. Uh, you have no other choice. Okay, so we'll move on to from all that. Get into the GSP roundup try to i always say i try to go and speed it up but it never really seems to work out but we'll try um we had uh they ran at Mossport this past weekend for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship the IMSA um series and then you have practice and details okay got all that results there's a full result session no that's not what i want of course um yeah i love the imsa website it's one of the shittiest websites on planet earth can't even find anything you just want to want to have a, a recap of what the hell happened can't get it I have to I have to go through all this stuff to get to that um unofficial okay there you go oreo writes for them yeah so tom blumquist and colin braun get their uh, first win or first official win because essentially they got so penalized with the air with the pressure tire pressure deal they had going on at the rolex 24 and they got buried with that so they get their first uh, sprint win of the season and they're followed by their Acura teammates, uh, the Konica Minolta Acura, um, Taylor, Wayne Taylor Racing, Andretti Autosport car of R- Ricky Taylor and Philippe Albuquerque. BMW number 25 coming off of their win at uh, Watkins Glen, albeit after the race ended, with Connor Filippi and Nick Yellowly round out the podium. There was eight cars, eight of the nine cars in GTP were running they all finished on lead lap all within a minute or within 54 seconds uh rock and feller vanderhelm with jdc miller finished fourth the two factory porsches behind them tandy and jaminay campbell and nazar durani and sims finished seventh philip ng and augusto farfis in the second bmw eighth uh the bourdais and regger van de zanda car did not finish the race there gar robinson felipe fraga take the victory in lmp3 over below and grist for jr3 racing uh that's the riley 74 for gar robinson mantella and boyd for awa finished third uh gt pro the corvette racing team and the chevy grand prix conveniently wins uh gt pro on same weekend that uh which we'll mention here in a little more detail the corvette racing team won the gtm uh championship uh for in uh, the wec 
Klaus Bockler, Patrick Pillay for FAF Motorsports in a home game, finishes second. Third was Junkadel and Gunan in the WeatherTech Racing Mercedes. The uh, GTD winner, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow for Paul Willer, Miller Racing. Um, Brandon Rebe and Shandorf for Inception Racing. Uh, in there, McLaren, BMW, McLaren, and then Mike Skeen and Grenier, Korthoff Motorsports, Mercedes, the uh, third place finisher in GTD. Um, their next, the next race for IMSA will be at uh, Lime Rock Park next week. We'll preview that uh, event details. Curious what it's going to actually say because they don't go, they don't have. All that they still have, and so it's a GT only event, GTD Pro and GTD. Then you're gonna have the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is only showing TCR, but I think they're probably gonna have more classes in that. But we'll see. F2 and F3 were at Silverstone this past weekend. Uh, we'll start with Formula Two and uh, the team, the results at the British Grand Prix, Frederick Vesti won the sprint race, and Victor Martins won the feature in the sprint race. Frederick Vesti over Teo Pocher, Jack Dewan was a po- rounded out the podium. Enzo Fittipaldi and Isaac Hadjar rounded out the top five. Um, Daruvalo was 11th, Kushmini 13th, Jack Crawford 14th, um, Juan Manuel Correa was 19th in... Uh, and Iwasa finished last, so brutal for him. In the uh, sprint race, in the feature race, Victor Martins over Zane Maloney, Teo Pocher, Jack Dewan, Iwasa ends up coming back to finish fifth. Daruvula got a sixth-place finish. Enzo Fittipaldi, Bierman, Leclerc, Jack Crawford rounds out the top ten, gets a point there. Correa, 11th, so that's good to see. Brad Benavides was 13th, and so that is... That the standings going into Hungary next week. Frederick Vesti has a six point lead on Teo Pocher. Owasa is 24 points back in third. Um, then the Bierman and Martans are tied in fourth uh, with 88 points. And from there, you kind of go on. Uh, Crawford is 10 points out of 11th, um, 21 points out of 10th. And uh, look at some of these other people. Nissani, Cordiel, and Benavides are the only drivers so far this year that haven't scored a point. Not really shocking. In Formula 3, they were at uh, also at Silverstone with Franco Colapinto, the winner of the sprint, and uh, Oliver Goth. Uh, the feature race winner, uh, certain people I know had issues with that name, so I'll take the advice and make sure I pronounce it right. Cola Pinto over Gabriel Bertoletto and Christian Mansell. Caio Colette, Gabriel Mini, some guy named Barter, Fornioli, Fornaroli, Sebastian Montoya, Ito Cohen, and Marti. Pepe Marti rounds out the top 10. Uh, trying to go through here. Some of these other people, uh, Kale and Frederick was 22nd, trying to find the brown guy. But all right, the no, that's not what I wanted to do. The feature race results, Goth, Fornaroli, Marty, the, the top three. It sounds like Marty will join that great Red Bull driver, driver development program. 
Paul Aaron, Mansell, top five, Bortoletto, Mini, Colapinto, Saucy, Sebastian Montoya rounds out the top 10. Um, trying to go through here. Frederick, another great result for him. Standings as they head off to Budapest. Um, Bortoletto is 38. Yeah, eight, yeah, 36 points ahead of uh, Pepe Marti. And then after that, it's a really close battle from third to eighth is separated by 15 points. A lot can go on there. Um, then the battle, Goth gets himself into the 10th place in points. Literally, that's the first time he scored points, that victory. First time he scored points since the opening rounds at Sakir. He has not scored points since until he won that round the feature race at Silverstone. So that's pretty fucking pathetic. Um, yeah, Boganovic had a rough weekend. So did Zach O'Sullivan. Neither scored points in either race. They'll try to recover. Uh, only six total races to go in the series. Uh, after the back-to-back races at Budapest and Spa, their last weekend will be at Monza. So interesting time ahead here for the F2 and F3 drivers trying to make sure that they put themselves in place to possibly get an F2 for next year. Uh, Supercars were at Townsville for race there. Flip script after 2022 SVG clash. Okay, so we'll go to that. Yeah, the Sydney Super Night will run the next time. The results, race results from uh, Townsville. In race 16, the winner was Will Brown. And in race 17, Anton Di Pasquale uh, in what has been a horrendous season for Ford and for the um, Dick Johnson racing team. Uh, Anton Di Pasquale goes and gets that victory, um, gives Ford only their second win of the year. Uh, the rest of the rounds have been won by Chevrolet and the mostly the Red Bull and Red Bull Triple uh, A team and Air Coca Cola Erebus team, who has uh, 13 wins amongst all four of their drivers. The championship points next race two weeks from now. Will Brown is seven points of his teammate Brody Kostecki. Brock Feeney is minus 26, the Red Bull driver, and Shane Van Gisbergen is fourth, 72 points behind. So interesting with those four. Uh, best of the rest, Chaz Moster, 243 points out of the lead. Best Ford as well. You know, one of, what is it, three Fords that are in the top 10. Um, Fords are definitely struggling this year, but hey, we see that in NASCAR too, so I guess it ain't a shock anymore. Um, Extreme Island x saw a Rossberg team go and win both both the races at uh, the Island X Pre, so whatever, um, Extreme H, okay, Island X Pre, uh, they, the next race, maybe in September, but they don't have anything announced as of yet, in uh, the results though, now oh, let's go back, in round five, uh, because they run back-to-back days, the QF standings, that's qualifying, redemption, that's whatever, so, the the winners, Rosberg, uh, Kotolinski, Christofferson over the Aconia Science Team or Layla Sands and Matthias Ekstrom. 
the Hummer EV Ganassi team with Amanda Sorensen and RJ Anderson finished third. Apt Cupro with Clara Anderson and Sebastian Loeb filling in there, finished fourth. And the Andretti team with Katie Munnings and Timmy Hansen finished fifth, uh, DNF'd in that race. And um, the six, race six, uh, Rosberg X Racing gets another victory. And then grand final was uh, Rosberg over Sides versus and then Andretti. The Ganassi team was fourth. Uh, Heda Hosas, Andreas Backrood for JBXC, so Jensen Button's team, finished fifth. Somewhat competitive, everybody within 13 seconds there in the uh, grand final there. The championship standings uh, heading into the next race, whenever that'll be. Uh, the Aconia Science team is four points ahead of Rosberg. The, uh, the what is it, is that the Veloce team? is 14 points out in third. Uh, the Ganassi team is fourth, and uh, X44 is fifth, only four points ahead of the Andretti team. Uh, we'll forget about Extreme E for a while. Uh, the WEC ran at Monza, and uh, interesting, I mentioned about Corvette Racing uh, locking up uh, their uh, championship. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Good God Almighty. Um, six hours of Monza. The results, uh, Toyota with Mike Conway, Kamui Kobayashi, and Jose Maria Lopez win by 16.52 seconds over the Ferrari number 50 of Antonio Fuco, Miguel Molina, and Nicholas Nielsen. The Peugeot number 93 with Paul DeResta, Mikkel Jensen, and John Eric Verne finished third. And then you had the um hypercar class out of that the next was it, three four five five cars were a lap down then um the top 10 still rounded out all top uh, 10 within two laps in the um hypercar category um and then yeah so i mentioned those guys then in lmp2 david heinmeyer hansen pietro fittipaldi and oliver rasmussen for joda sport uh, won by a lap over the alpine Team by over uh, Vaxvier, Julian Canal, and Miels Milesi. Team WRT with Rui Andrade, Robert Kubica, and Louis Delatraz finished third. The American, uh, the United Osborne team run partly by Zach Brown, Josh Pearson, the American, Guido Vandergarda, and Olivier Jarvis just outside of the podium. Uh, so 10 of the 12 uh, prototypes, there's issues, of course, with the Van Wall car because. It wouldn't be a day without the Van Wall car having issues. Um, and Proton competition, Gian Maria Bruni, Harry Tinknell, and Neil Yanni had issues. They were running up front, led a couple laps uh, in their debut with the WeatherTech Porsche 963, but weren't able to um, finish the race. In in GTM, Dempsey Proton Racing, Christian Reed, uh, Peterson, Julian Andlauer, uh, were the winner over the Iron Lynx team of Schiavone, Crisoni, and Piccarello. And then GR Racing with Wainwright, Para, and Barker were third. The Corvette with Ben Keating, Nicholas Verone, and, or, or, yeah, or Nikki Katzberg and uh, Verone finished fourth, but that was enough to lock up the championship in uh, GTM. 
So we go on classification. Uh, I guess, okay. Yeah, season results. Yeah, so right now the points for the in yeah the LMP or GTE Teams Championship, it's over. Corvettes won that. The Iron Dames are in second, only two points out of the ORT um, by TF. Aston, Dempsey Proton moves up to fourth. That's a close battle. It's going to go on all the way to the end. The drivers, as I mentioned, yeah, Nikki Catherine, Nicholas Verone, they've locked up the uh, GTM drivers trophy as well. In the in in the trophies for LMP2, WRT is ten points out of Inter Europol, and that's really where the battle lies. In drivers, that's the same gap, of course. The Inter Europol team won the uh, twenty four hours of Le Mans. The FIA World Cup, Hertz Team Jota has, what is it, a couple of um, races. Uh, they were ahead or they ran a few more races. So they have uh, a decent lead there, essentially the customer uh, trophy. In Manufacturers Championship, 26 points separates Toyota and Ferrari. And then in the Drivers Championship, uh, Hartley, Rio, Rio Hirakawa, Sebastian Buemi, uh, team lead their teammates Mar- Jose Maria Lopez, Kamuya Kabayashi, and Mike Conway by 23 points. Um, that the second Toyota, um, the number is uh, yeah, that number seven is tied with the Ferrari team of Perguidi, Giovinazzi, and Collado. So that's a driver's championship there. Uh, F1 Academy uh, also ran at. Uh, at uh, Monza, Marta Garcia uh, ran one race one. Layla Alina Buhler was the race two winner, and Bianca Bustamante won race three. The standings in that category with six total races to go, but there will be a huge break after the end of July at uh, Paul Ricard. Marta Garcia, after a relatively quiet weekend at uh, Zanfort, um, Aided by Hamna Hamna Al Kabasi's struggles, has now stretched the points back points lead back to thirty six points. Um, Buhler is seven points behind Al Kabasi for second. Um, Abby pulling Nier Marti and Bianca Bustamante. They're all separated uh, by nineteen points. And so they'll be back at Le Castellet, a.k.a. Um, uh, Paul Ricard. Uh, Josh, I'll bring you back in since it's uh, the SRX, and we know a lot of these guys from our NASCAR fandom. Uh, they'll be racing their schedule this year. They'll start at Stafford uh, Motor Speedway in Connecticut, then Thunder Road Speed Bowl in Vermont. Um, of course, uh, connected to Ken, the late great Ken Squire, Motor Mile Speedway in Virginia, Berlin Raceway in Michigan, Eldora Speedway in Ohio, and Lucas Oil Speedway in uh, Missouri. Uh, so two dirt races to end their uh, season. The 2023 drivers is a big list. I'm trying to figure it would be nice to know who is racing where. Um, trying to get the, the schedule, sorry, the schedule, take a sale. So 
SRX driver. Yeah, so drivers 2023. It's top heavy in NASCAR. Yeah, a lot of uh, NASCAR drivers. Um, Marco Andretti comes back as a defending series champion. And uh, go through, I'm trying to go through, I guess. Uh, so the full-time drivers, so these are full-time. Haley Deegan, um, Ryan hunter Ray, Brad Keselowski, Bobby Labonte, who did a hit from his uh, camper with his wife video, doing the video work. No Neck, Ryan Newman, Kenny Schrader, Tony Stewart, the, of course, part owner of the series and the original champion of the series. And uh, Paul Tracy to go and uh, keep all the people who work on the cars busy. So that's, uh, what is it, one, two, three, eight, nine. Um, part-time drivers will, um, yeah, Stafford, yeah. Part-time drivers is a deep list. Um, staff, you know, so Clint Boyer will be uh, running this weekend. Um, Kevin Harvick's also running, and uh, he's worried about, uh, the fact that, uh, um, yeah, motor mile speed, I don't know why they call it, Pulaski, subsequent, yeah, um, that he'll fall out of the seat because he's out of shape. I'm pretty sure he will. Um, and Dennis Hamlin. So those are the three guys that'll be, or four, there'll be four, actually. Antoine Canon is also going to show up at Stafford. So they'll have 13 cars on the grid uh, for Thursday Night Thunder. And uh, we'll see what happens with that. I mean, series has been pretty good. I'm curious to see what um, Kenny Schrader can do running the full season. I'm also curious what Brad uh, Brad Keselowski and Ryan hunter Ray. I mean, Ryan hunter Ray in his second year in the series, um, what they can do as well. Can Marco Andretti respond and win back-to-back championships? That would be something. But um, we'll see about that. In uh, Formula E... We'll go into the points and just get that going. Formula the Formula E A B A B B Formula E World Championship fifteen or two races and then uh, so they'll run they'll run two races and then uh, in two weeks after two weeks time they'll run in London for the last two races of the season. So the season is coming to a close quickly. Um, you know, they'll start their 2024 season in, uh, January. So that'll be, uh, in Mexico city and then Doria and Saudi. They have a couple races to announce Sao Paulo, Tokyo, Rome will get moved to April. Um, then Monaco, the two races in Berlin, another TVD, Indonesia will be moved into June uh along with portland and then they'll have a gap to the london uh doubleheader finale the standings heading into this weekend's uh doubleheader at in rome jake dennis leads nick cassidy by one point so those are both uh customer teams jake dennis with the avalanche andretti team they're a porsche um they get the porsche power unit um then you have the nick cassidy with envision racing they get jaguar um, power units pascal verline driving for porsche's third mitch evans for jaguars fourth jean eric Verne fifth for ds penske antonio felix da costa in sixth those are really uh that's about as far as i think you can go because right now um 
Dennis has a 54, yeah, 54, yeah, 61, yeah, 61 point lead on Antonio Felix da Costa, four races to go. We'll see how that all works out, but uh, Porsche, the uh, formula, the Porsche team is leading the constructors or teams championship over Envision by six points, and that's really the battle there. So we'll see what happens with that, and we'll uh, recap it on the next week's show. Last but not least, World Superbikes. Uh, World Superbikes will um, be racing at Imola and something. Okay, that's going to be interesting to read. Uh, results. As I mentioned, Alvaro Batista has dominated yet again this year. Nearly a hundred point lead on Toprak Raskat Lioku, who has announced earlier this season that he will be moving to BMW. The highest replaced BMW at the moment is 13th on the, and that's a factory rider over a customer rider, which is Garrett Gerloff, the American. Um, they're 13th and 14th, so we'll see how that all works out. Andrea Locatelli, third, Johnny Ray, fourth. Axel Bassani fifth. Alrighty then. Oh, uh, that's yeah. So yeah. So uh, uh-huh. let's get into IndyCar Toronto uh, Classic. Uh, long time uh, race for the IndyCar series. Uh, getting into the meat of their schedule. Um, very rough, uh, twisting course. They will then run a doubleheader at Iowa next week. So um, a busy time for the IndyCar series. Toronto has seen uh, you'll you have the mix of like the carnage, but you have great performances. We got uh, yeah the Honda Indy Toronto. It'll be on Peacock only. So for those who are looking for it on regular TV, well it ain't gonna be on regular TV. Now Scott Dixon, the latest winner last year. Um, Go and get into average finish and all. Um, Felix Rosenquist, they has only run there twice, but has finished in the top five both times. And uh, Colton Herta, two times there, one top five, two top tens for him. Alex Pillow ran there last year, had a bad starting position, but ended up finishing sixth. Um, Scott Dixon, four wins at Toronto, eight top fives and 12 top tens and 14 starts with two poles. Have led 240 laps there. Average finish of 6.8. One of his better places where he qualifies. So something to look at. Um, Christian Lungard finished eighth last year. Pagano's not even racing, so that's unfortunate. One of his better circuits. He's won there before. Scotty McLaughlin, ninth last year. Marco Andretti was actually good at Toronto. Um, surprisingly, um, Elio Castro dash Neves, four top five, seven top tens and 12 starts there, uh, outside of those guys, new garden and power both won there twice. And, um, yeah, that's, that rounds out the guys that have, and their stats in terms of who has done what at, at, uh, Toronto, um, points, uh, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago, Alex Pillow is 110 point lead on Scott Dixon, 115 on Newgarden, and then was a 122 on Marcus Erickson, 127 on Pato Award. So right now is the time. It's a track where uh, if they wanted to uh, take advantage of maybe get Alex Pillow to 
make a mistake and lose some points. This is an opportunity, this stretch here next couple of weeks uh, to go and make that happen with Iowa coming up as well with a double header. Um, I don't know. Did, uh, did you go first, Josh, last week or um, did I? I don't even remember. I have to go look in the picks. I went first. Okay. So, so I went first. So you can go first with the Indy cars. Let's let us know who you think will be the winner and who your wild card is for Toronto, Josh. Well, I mean, I feel like it's hard to go against the series leader in Alex Pillow. So I'm going to go with him as my race winner. Row. Yeah, four in a row for Pillow. Uh, kind of rhymes there. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, he's just been the guy this year, and I can't really see why he wouldn't win this race. Been on a hot streak four in a row. Um, and... It, yeah, he he uh, continues to dominate the series, and I think eventually it'll lead to another series title uh, for him. Um, so you got that, and then uh, wild card. Uh, I mean, it's it's tough because uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of good guys here that can race this track, and even guys that aren't currently racing uh, or well haven't been good uh, this season could could be good here, but we'll have to. Um, I'm, let me see, I'm looking at the standings here to get a better scope. Uh, well, you have 27 guys that have at this point had run every race, but now, um, Connor Daly or no, he missed one, but, um, sorry. So that's not 27, but, uh, 25 have run every race because Simon Pagino is not going to run this weekend as well. So I guess that could amend the options for the, um, for the, wild card to was it if it's 25 we could get into the top 13 is out yeah so you can go from 14th on yeah i want to go with uh callum eilat and wild card um you know he's been pretty impressive so far this year and i mean he's yeah he's 16th in the standings but you know he had a good run at st petersburg back at the beginning of the year another chaotic uh event that we had back at the beginning of the year on the street course and didn't do so well at Long Beach, but, um, you know, Exhibition Place, a very chaotic racetrack, and uh, I think, you know, he definitely could be a guy that could come out of here with a, a good finish. So, yeah, we'll go with him as a wild card for this weekend. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Scott Dixon. The stats, it's there's very, very it's very hard to go against uh, history, even though, it, I mean, in some cases it may not matter right now, but Scott Dixon's been on a little bit of a run uh, recently, and uh, he needs to win. So why not win at a place you've won four times uh, in the PNC Bank Honda? And my wild card is David Malukas, mainly because of the momentum from the mid-Ohio result. Um, 12th place finish last year, so if he can continue that momentum, you never know. in terms of a kind of a sneaky pick, I don't think there really is one, but um, interesting to see. Interested to see what Tom Blomquist can do. Yeah. Um, D. Francesco is the only Canadian, uh, so that means there won't be any Canadians on the grid next year, probably. Um, so there is that. We'll go over that next week on the. Oh, that's a good picture of her. Um, on the uh, GSP. The uh, 
Cup and Xfinity Series will be at New Hampshire Motor Speedway for first the Xfinity and Better Health uh, 200. Only one car as of now would miss the show, 39 for 38 spots. Uh, it doesn't show anybody has withdrawn. Uh, trying to go through here, any differences? Weatherman, I think, has been in the four for a while now. Or Smithley, or whatever. I guess they changed that one. Um, Brennan pulled there. Stefan Parsons back in the 07. Mason Massey back in the 08 for SS Greenlight. The colleague number 10 still has TBA. Um, Joe Graff Jr. is in the 19. Oh, great. Um, Connor Mozak again in 24. Eh, 35 is also T to be announced. Chris Hacker in the 38 for RSS. Ryan Ellis back in the 43. Roger Carruth back in the 44. Greg Van Alts getting another opportunity in the 45 after a brutal uh, first start at Atlanta. CJ McLaughlin and the caution that'll be coming with him will be driving for Emerlyn Gase, but then he wrecked a couple of weeks ago and got parked essentially. Um, Chad Fincham is entered with uh, Carl Long's MBM team. Dawson Cram, former guest on the show for CHK in the 74. Alex LeBay back in the 91. And uh, yeah, Kyle Segan, 28. So I'll go first on this one. Not a lot really to work with here uh, in terms of uh, drivers. I I mean, it's a flat track. Not a lot of, of uh, things to take from earlier other than Phoenix, I guess, Richmond. So to me, flat tracks really suit the Gibbs cars. So I'm going to go with John Hunter to win. And um, in terms of a wild card selection, I'm going to go with wild card selection. Uh, darn. This is, act that is actually hard here. Um, I don't I have to go back into the points, actually. That would actually tell me. Who I could choose. Okay. So, wild card. I'll go with Bruckshot Jones. The guy is a flat track. Uh, he's won a lot of races on at Phoenix. Or he, well, not a lot, but he's won at Phoenix. He knows flat tracks. He needs some sort of miracle to make the playoffs. So why not at New Hampshire do fuel strategy, do something different, and try to uh, win that race? Uh, what say you, Josh, in terms of the Xfinity series? Uh, I am. I'm going to go with Chandler Smith as my pick, who uh, did win his first race this year on a flat track, and he had done well at uh, Phoenix in the Xfinity series, finishing fifth there uh, on a flat track and led a a uh, couple laps there so um yeah i'll go with him this weekend uh in new hampshire new hampshire um i mean i'm gonna have to pull up the standings as well as uh, far as who a wild card could be uh i'll go with i'll go with parker retzlaff here uh i mean this i yeah this is another track where he could he could do well so uh i mean he's in the middle of the standings there just around the same area as Brandon Jones, so uh, yeah, I'll go. I'll go with him this weekend, and yeah, I mean he's a sim guy, so I'll go with him as wild card. It's interesting. I was thinking about taking uh, Paperboy, so it makes sense that you went with him. 
uh, sim, of course, great uh, sim racer. That's how he got into the regular cars, and uh, Jordan Anderson giving him an opportunity to run the full season. And, you know, uh, uh, accounting for himself very, very well uh, for guys that have a lot, around guys that have a lot more experience than he does. So um, credit to him on that. The uh, Cup Series Crayon 301 uh, Sunday, 301 laps, of course. And um, we'll see. Yeah, so Ross Chastain on the heels of announcing a multi-year deal with Bush Light. Kind of forgot about that. It's my fault. Um, means Stewart. But that's been a ru- that's been going on for months. People have known that he was going to leave. When Kevin Harvick announces retirement, it basically meant Bush was leaving. And they were looking at Ross, and that's been a case, and it actually is now official. So we'll see what happens with his rest of his um, uh, list of sponsors he's got going on. Uh, Chastain will have Kubota on his car, Auto Trader for Sindrick, Dylan Bass Pro Shops, Bushlight for Harvick, Valvoline for Larson, BuildSubmarines.com for Brad Keselowski, Schulter Systems, Schulter Systems. I can't, yeah, it's a good one. Um, good tongue twister, Corey LaJoy there. Lenovo for Kyle Busch. Um, Mavis Tire and Brakes for Denny Hamlin, one of the ugliest paint schemes I've ever seen. Um, Menard Sylvania for um, Ryan Blaney. Um, Mobile One Gen G for Chase Briscoe. Nice paint scheme, black car, so it's pretty cool. No Neck will be uh, running uh, at uh, for Rick Ware in the 15 again. AJ Almendinger and the Nutrient Ag Solutions, 16. Uh, Reese's Fine Foods for Martin Truax Jr. Uh, at one of his 18 home tracks. Uh, Ream and Watts, yeah, that's usually. Um, DraftKings on Bubba Wallace's car. Raptor back on for Byron. Campers in RV, who was on the Xfinity car for Justin Haley last week, will be on the Cup car this week. The Pete Store. For McDowell, A&W Root Beer for Todd Gilland, Mohawk Northeast, a personal sponsor for Ryan Priest, uh, DraftKings Network on the 45 for Tyler Reddick, um, Drumstick, the ice cream uh, for Stent O. Richard, Cold Custard back again this week, Ty Gibbs with his uh, Jesus Freak sponsor, uh, Ferris Commercial Mowers for Ty Dillon, B.J. McLeod is actually going to have Circle B diecasts on the car this weekend. And Daniel Suarez will have uh, uh, Mr. Worldwide, Mr. 305, uh, with his Slam Foundation and the Trackhouse album on his number 99. So yeah, 36 cars, nothing out of the ordinary. New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, I think Christopher Bell won this race last year. And he, had, he probably should have won two in a row, but... Eric Almarillo won because it got too dark, um, and he finished second. So um, you can go first there, Josh. Let us know who you think is going to win and who a wild card your wild card selection would be for New Hampshire Motor Speedway this weekend. Well, I mean, I really think Christopher Bell can come out this weekend and defend his uh, win from last year and win this uh, weekend's race here at New Hampshire. Um, and not only just because he won last year, but he has a pretty good track record at this racetrack uh, throughout his entire NASCAR career. Uh, won once in the uh, Truck Series, won 
three times uh, in the Xfinity series here at this racetrack. So uh, New Hampshire is very much a Christopher Bell type track uh, and just run well throughout uh, his entire NASCAR career at this track. So I think he will win this weekend. And um, my wild card pick, well, I'm going to pull the technicality there and go with Chase, Chase Elliott, Elliott as the wild card. And he finished second in this race last year, so that's pretty damn good for a wild card, even though he probably shouldn't be. But we'll pull that technicality there because, um, I mean, this year he hasn't been as good, though. So, I mean, it does kind of fit the bill, I mean, besides the being injured part. So, um yeah, we'll see how he how he does uh, in his quest to try to make it into uh, the NASCAR playoffs later on this year. Yeah, that's uh, we're going to be able to utilize that technicality until he wins. Um, so whoever picks first is probably going to pick Clyde. Um, I mean, of course, we both somehow or another, I messed up and didn't pick SVG when it was obvious. Uh, so that's my fault. Um but whatever. We have another algorithm win, so I, I guess we made up for it. Um, so Bell and William Clyde Elliott, WCE2, wildcard. Phil is going to go with that Truax kid from Mayetta, New Jersey, uh, to win. And uh, he won at Dover earlier this year. And um, why wouldn't he go and win at another one of his home racetracks? He has, over the last 10 races, he has the best average finish of 6.8, average start of 5.4, and the most points uh, amongst active drivers. Um, So that's, uh, I mean, Toyotas, you see three of the top five guys, Truex, Hamlin, Bell, and then Penske guys, formerly, of course, Keselowski, then you got Logano and Blaney, and then Kevin Harvick, because it's Kevin Harvick. Um, let's see, in terms of a, uh, wild card selection, the technicality, of course, with Clyde, uh, 21, 30, um, so yeah, fifth, so at worst case is like all the 16. Ah, I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger because now all of a sudden it looks like Colleg has a little bit of momentum on their side on the cup side. Uh, he ran well last week. Um, his son went and ran well at Chicago. So, um, I think they have the momentum. Uh, Allmendinger is usually done well at the flatter racetracks, um, compared to some of the cookie cutters. So, I mean, it, it definitely is wild if he can go and um, and get that victory on an oval. And hanger. If, um, that would be huge for them and for college racing and in general for AJ Allmendinger. So we'll see what happens with that. All righty then. Uh, Josh, it's your turn uh, to talk about all things sim racing. What's going on in the world of iRacing? I mean, yeah, of course, iRacing, the big event coming up is the Firecracker 400. Um, uh, and it should be interesting seeing all the different drivers there um, who want to race. Uh, it's always entertaining to watch that one. And we'll see which of the pros come out the race for that one, I'm sure. Dale Jinger will try to come out for that one. We'll see who other uh, drivers try to come out for that, whether Kyle Busch or any of the other sim guys uh, or you know, drivers who do a lot of iRacing uh, in general on there. So we'll see, uh, you know, who who comes out uh, and races uh, in that one. So should be interesting, um, should be a fun event to watch. Um, I think this week are the prelims and everything. So uh, should be a, um interesting deal there on how, how they're able to, um, you know, get the field set for that and uh, everything. So that should be interesting. Um, uh, iRacing, I mean, I think, 
also this week should mention um, if you're looking for equipment, uh, Amazon does have Prime Day, and I think the Logitech Racing Wheel is on sale this week on Prime Day uh, for Amazon. So if you're looking for something for a starter wheel or anything like that, it's definitely a good the Logitech. Uh, I think G920 or G G29 uh, or something like that on on Amazon. So that's a good good fit for anybody that's a beginner or anybody who wants to just you know race. Um, good quality equipment uh, i mean it's not up there with uh fanatec but uh you know it's definitely a good good starter wheel there um that you know anybody anybody can do it has a good set of con uh driver controls there with a lot of uh, d-pad and button pads kind of make it compatible with uh playstation and i think it does have a dial to turn for um driver adjustments as well and driver aids so um yeah i think it does like you know for any car i think you know if you wanted to turn the dial for the weight jacker that's that's a good usage for that button there as well um so yeah that's on sale prime day tomorrow and uh yeah, today and tomorrow uh, at the time of this recording. So if you're looking for something in general, that uh, that's there. But yeah, uh, let's see. On the iRacing schedule this week, besides the um, private events, um, let's see if we can pull it up here. Um, series, yeah, upcoming races. I mean, of course, you got the Cup Series at New Hampshire, Cars Tour at Concord, uh, Dover at the yeah NASCAR 87 cars at Dover, and, um, Arkham Arnard Series at Nashville Super Speedway. Uh, we got Delara Dash at Michigan Speedway, uh, the Open Wheel Series, so the yeah the uh, Indy cars at Watkins Glen on the boot, uh, Gen Four at Rockingham, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah so yeah that's all all the major series there. I'm starting to see the schedule repeat there. Um, yeah, and then the um, Carburetor Cup at iRacing Super Speedway uh, there. Try to yeah let me sort this for the road courses now uh, on my schedule road fly. Then, yeah, the Toyota GR Series uh, at Okayama Circuit, GT3 fan, uh, Fanatec Challenge at uh, Virginia International Raceway, Formula Fords at Okayama International Circuit. Uh, you got Formula V also at Okayama International Circuit, so that one's a pretty good track. Uh, Ferrari GT3s at uh, Spa. Um, you got Stock Car Brazil at uh, Spa as well. Uh, glo global, um, yeah, Mazda MX-5s at Summit Point Raceway. Got US Open Wheel D, USF 2000, uh, Suzuka, Formula IR at uh, um, uh, Imola. Um, you've got, let's see here, uh, trying to look, yeah, the Radical Racing Challenge at uh, Laguna Seca. And then you've got the Clio Cup at Summit Point Raceway as well. So, yeah, as always, you know, there's a lot of uh, challenge, you know, on both ends on sim uh, for oval and uh, dirt racing and uh, road course racing. So, yeah, definitely you know, always a fun time on there. Um, probably, yeah, I'd probably need to download F123 soon as well. I haven't got a chance to get to it, but probably might download one soon. Try to run that one a, a bit as well. Just have more compatibility on on the console side or uh, elsewhere. So, yeah, should be able to do that. Um, also, update on the go-karting end uh, as well. Um, I talked to, so go back last week mentioned my go-kart experience out in Bushnell uh, Motorsports Park. Uh, There's a guy that, a cart owner there that kind of runs private events. Got a chance to hook up, uh, or well, talk to him um, yesterday and had a 
a uh, good conversation with him, talked about the details about his upcoming event. And yeah, it's on 23rd is the next event, July 23rd and runs said he offers uh, several classes of uh, carts and said for probably for me, someone who's only done rentals, uh, do 15 horsepower go-karts uh so yeah he has a 15 horsepower cart and he provides the suit and everything and um they have helmets there as well so uh it's i think yeah like 40 bucks per session and he gives you a um even gives you includes like a couple of laps to shake it down to get comfortable so it's like well maybe 10 to 12 laps and then plus three as a bonus for the first one and then uh plus three laps there and then the rest $40 per session I think you can get all all of them there so um I think he's going to do a total of six so should be should be interesting there um yeah definitely definitely interested in it uh so I think yeah I'm going to clear out my schedule for Sunday the 23rd to go out and do some go-kart racing on a pro level cart uh running uh yeah 15 horsepower so um should be an interesting uh one there and uh definitely look forward to being able to uh, be able to do that so um yeah look out for that in the next couple weeks and definitely definitely gonna be talking about it I'll definitely be telling you about it phil probably uh you know show you what i or at least you know document that a little bit uh and you know let you and all my other friends see that so we'll see how that goes um yeah I'm trying to think what else i have uh yeah yeah i think that's, that's it for me this week on sim segment of course and, and it's always you know Follow when we stream. Follow on Twitch TV slash UCLR two. Go so uh, go and watch on there. But yeah, as always, um, yeah, glad to be able to discuss again this week. Um, rinse and repeat, of course, with all the familiar winners that we're experiencing this week. So hopefully, hopefully next week we have some better winners and we have more interesting things to talk about in terms of winners and uh, be a little bit more excited like we were a few weeks ago when uh, Shane Van Gisenberg won at. Um, and I don't think I can pronounce his name right either. So, um, like everybody, so, um, you know, uh, like what happened in Chicago, that was pretty exciting. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully something interesting happens this weekend. We can have something exciting to talk about next week. Yeah, definitely. I hope so. IndyCar and, uh, NASCAR this coming weekend, but then you'll have formula one back at Hungary, um, amongst other series. So we'll definitely get into that. You can find, uh, find a show, of course, uh, find me at APG Matthew 28. You can find the Twitter uh, Gripster podcast on Twitter as well at Gripster Pod. Might have to go and make the other, whatever that other one threads thing, but we'll see about that. Uh, PhilipGMatthew.com blog site. You can find the show there. You can also uh, find the show on YouTube where Josh, of course, handles the video feed. And uh, the the so we'll have it over there. You can find the Gripture podcast basically anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week for episode one seventy eight of the Gripture podcast to talk about all things that happened this past week in this week in motorsports and anything else that comes to mind. Uh, rookies will start reporting to training camp for the NFL um, next week, uh, whichever day we end up recording. Uh, so that'll be, um, something to look at. So, um, we could probably get a couple minutes in on that as well. So for Josh, I'm Phil, take care and, uh, we'll see you next time on the Grip Share podcast.